Welcome back to the Read the Roster podcast. I'm Ross. And I'm Reed. And after a three-week hiatus, we are back. It has been a crazy three weeks for the both of us. Had some sickness, had some emergencies, school, life, everything in between. But we are back. We are committed to doing this thing. We told y'all from the start we will continue to do this thing. However, we all will make some changes. We are officially dropping the NFL episodes uh, just with our schedules right now, unfortunately, we're just not able to do both college and NFL. As Reed and I have mentioned on a couple of episodes, we've always loved college football more. We've gotten into watching the pros more here the last year, year and a half, two years uh, with fantasy and all that kind of stuff. And uh, just being together with our families and whatever, it, it always just ends up we're kind of watching some football here and there, especially on Sundays uh, there for a little while. So. We'll eventually get back into the NFL episodes. Just, you know, unfortunately right now, it's just not something we're going to be able to handle. With everything going on with college football, there's plenty for us to talk about, especially with the postseason coming up, recruiting, the transfer portal. And we just ha- we just know a lot more and kind of have more informed opinions about what goes on in the sport. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're making that permanent change. Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say permanent, but we're making that temporary change until further notice. We will, you know, kind of update you guys if that ever changes. But for right now, we're going to kind of stick to the college game. Like you said, I mean, it's been tough. I mean, throwing in Thanksgiving in there, like you said, some emergencies. We're always together at least three times a week, four times a week, and just kind of makes it tough to record because you want to spend time with family, but also – we got to get this done, but we always do stuff as family sickness. My school schedule has been crazy. I mean, of course you work five days a week. I don't know at some point you're going in six times a week. So it's just tough getting it done. And really Thursdays kind of been like our reliant day on filming. If we can't get it to it Tuesday, cause like I said, our schedule. So it'll just be easier doing one episode or kind of one aspect of the sport at one time we've got more into it i mean we play fantasy football every single year we follow our favorite players in the pros follow the georgia guys in the pros have our favorite players it's just like you said it's never been the real reason that we fell in love with football so it's just kind of easier to rely on the college football aspect like you said i think it'll come back it's just right now it's kind of hectic especially with christmas coming up will be and birthdays coming up, it's just going to be even more hectic. And then sooner or later, I'm going to restart school two, three weeks from now. So it's going to get even crazier. So with that being said, we do have plenty of plans for kind of what we're going to be doing for our college football episodes. This episode is going to be kind of more geared towards the reactions to the last couple of weeks of the season, our championship games the playoff rankings, and we're going to give some kind of, we're going to give opinions on the bowl games. We're not going to pick those right now. We'll, we'll do that in the future, uh, but we're just going to kind of give overall our thoughts of what ha- has happened the past two and a half weeks. Uh, and, and Heisman then, finalists too. Yeah, we can we can definitely talk about Heisman finalists uh, and then just kind of everything postseason all wrapped up in a one. Uh, we, like I said, we'll get to bowl game picks as we go. And then as we get into the off season and even in the coming weeks, we'll talk more and more about the recruiting scene, the transfer portal, all that stuff. College football is 
a rabbit hole all in itself. So we will have plenty to talk about. And this kind of allows us to put a little bit more time and effort into these episodes instead of just kind of rushing through them, trying to get everything done all at once. So again, we really appreciate everybody sticking through us. It's tough. It's really tough uh, to have been gone three weeks, but we are definitely going to stick with this thing as long as we possibly can. And then hopefully, you know, sometime uh, in the near future, we're able to kind of establish a rhythm with this thing. And then next season we, you know, hopefully can pick back up and start doing the NFL episodes again. So long winded intro, please check out the show, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, uh, like, and review the show, please. It helps us a whole lot. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, read the roster on Facebook at read the roster on Twitter. Uh, we will both start trying to be a little bit more, uh, active on there. Uh, we will probably still react to some NFL stuff on our social medias, uh, but we'll probably stick more towards college, especially, like I said, with the transfer portal stuff going on, recruiting XYZ. And with that being said, let's jump right in to kind of our opinions. Uh, the first thing I'll do, I'll just kind of go through the t- top 25. I'll go from uh, 25 to 1, and then you know after that we'll we'll kind of give our opinions team by team and and just kind of give our opinions on the rankings overall as a whole because it's overall it's a pretty big difference from what it was the last time you and i hopped on the mic so starting at 25 utsa group of five team that had an incredible season uh they actually are going to play in a bowl game with the number 24 team troy 11 and 2 outside of a hail mary Against App State, they probably would have been the top group of five team in the country. Had a really impressive season in their own right. Number 23, NC State, that went over North Carolina, is just carrying them carrying them high. I know you love that. 22, Mississippi State, had an incredible end of their season as well. 21, Notre Dame. 20, Texas. 19, South Carolina, which I know you and I will probably talk a pretty good bit about that here in a minute. 18, UCLA. 17, LSU, 16, Tulane, 15, Oregon, 14, Oregon State. That one I'm sure we'll talk plenty about. 13, Florida State, 12, Washington, 11, Penn State, 10, USC, 9, Kansas State, 8, Utah, 7, Clemson, 6, Tennessee, 5, Alabama, 4, Ohio State, 3, TCU, 2, Michigan, and 1, the reigning national champions, Georgia Bulldogs, which I know you and I both love. So that being said, we're not really going to spend too much time on UTSA and Troy. It's awesome to see the group of five get a little bit of love. Um, I think the group of five should get a little bit more attention nowadays. I think UCLA or not UCLA. <laughs> I think Cincinnati has opened the door for teams to start getting a little bit more respect. UCF was ranked for a good bit of the season. Uh, Tulane has been ranked for a pretty good bit of the season. I think Cincinnati was like right on the fringe of being put in uh, this ranking. And then you got Troy and UTSA who are going to be in a bowl game against each other, which I think could uh, get a pretty good amount of views. So with that, we'll just kind of skip straight to 23 NC State. Uh, I do want to get your thoughts on that final game against North Carolina. You and I love Drake May, but uh, NC State got the win in that rivalry game. I think it just shows how bad North Carolina's defense is. They've been struggling with it all year. Drake May can't do it by himself. And if you don't have Devin Leary out there, 
and you're letting a backup quarterback do that to you, even though he, Devin Leary won't be back at NC State and he did just enter the transfer portal. I think it just shows that no matter how good Drake May can be, even though he was playing like a Heisman-level QB this year, he can't do it by himself. I mean, unless you just want him to be Superman or something like that. I get NC State's a decent team. They play together and stuff like that, but you have to have a good defense to back you up, and he just really doesn't. Yeah, the the portal thing, I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Uh, They've already lost a pretty sizable amount of their defense, the ones that were good players have Tony Grimes. Yeah. Tony Grimes, Storm Duck, uh, Keyshawn Silver, uh, guys like that. Plus I think one of their starting linebackers is a senior. He'll be leaving. So, I mean, it's already a, not a great defense and it's not going to be adding a whole lot more to be better. So that's kind of tough for this North Carolina team. I hate it for Drake, Drake may, I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the country next year. Uh, barring anything kind of, unseen unless we see an absolute huge step up from uh Quinn Ewers I think I think he alone proved that he can carry a team all by himself and yes Caleb Williams did that at times but he had Jordan Addison who was a Blitnikoff winner Mario Williams was a productive wide receiver at Oklahoma State or not Oklahoma State Oklahoma and on top of that you had Travis Dye who was a proven running back in in the Pac-12 so I want to see Caleb Williams continue his consistency, but I think those are easily your top two quarterbacks with me kind of favoring uh, Drake May a little bit just because he has less talent. Uh, Because really, I mean, all he had was Josh Downs, and he didn't have him until about week four or five of the season. And by that time, he was already popping off going crazy. So uh, good closeout to the season for NC State. Like you said, kind of weird to see Devin Leary go into the transfer portal instead of declare for the draft because I know some NFL guys really liked him. but it'll be interesting to see where he lands and how NC State goes uh, does going forward. 22 Mississippi State. Mississippi State closed out the year with a win in the Egg Bowl over Ole Miss. That's huge. Uh, another good win to close out the season for Mike Leach. Uh, I think this offense is super hard to defend uh, unless you have the guys for it, honestly. I think Mississippi State's going to continue to be that nagging team in the SEC West, you know, maybe they go five and seven one year. Maybe they have a down four and eight year. I don't think that happens a whole lot, uh, but I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be pretty close to, to seven and five, eight and four, pretty consistently in the Mike Leach era with occasionally nine and three with a shot to get to 10 and two. By no means do I think he'll win the SEC West ever. He's already losing guys to the portal. I don't think any team's going to be, you know, invincible to that. Georgia's only lost one guy so far. Uh, I don't believe Michigan and TCU have lost any. And then I think Ohio State's lost one or two. So I think it's just mostly people trying to respect that. Hey, yeah. We're still in the playoffs and that we're still a part of the team. I wish yeah. our guy kind of did that, but at the same time, it is what it is. So yeah. you got to be able to do what's best for yourself. Your top four teams probably won't see that happen until later, and then it'll probably kick back up again after spring practice is over because teams will kind of get an idea of where their guys stand, who they want where, and and that kind of thing. So, uh, But nonetheless, it's a great year for Mike Leach. Uh, they're going to go to a pretty good bowl game, and uh, they're going to be able to build on this. Will Rogers will come back and have another amazing year. This is a good offense. They're always going to have good offensive linemen because they're in that in that belt of where they can recruit from Georgia all the way over to Texas. And they're not too far from, from these guys. So 
I'm in, I'm interested to see how Mississippi State does uh, the ne- these uh, next few years. Moving on to 21 Notre Dame, I'm going to let you run with this one, man. I, I I think you and I are are excited to see that Notre Dame was able to climb back up into the top 25 of these rankings. Uh, you and I are huge friends of uh, huge fans of Marcus Freeman. Uh, just got off to a really rough start, but we're able to close pretty strong. It's just going to be interesting to see what he can do with NIL transfer portal because I haven't seen a whole lot of guys leave Notre Dame as of right now. The recruiting class, I think it took a hit. I'm not too sure. I don't think it's sitting amazing right now, especially when Keon Keeley decommitted and it's looking like he's going to go to Bama or somewhere else, even though people thought he was a Notre Dame lock for a super long time. Like you said, it's just – Great to see that they kind of bounce back and showcase their talent, especially after losing their starting quarterback for the year only a few weeks in. I hope they can pull it back. Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do with the NIL transfer portal, and especially if they can maybe get Keon Keeley back, who's kind of the prize of their recruiting class. Maybe they can wheel him back from Alabama. I don't know, but recruiting's just really going to have to be on Marcus Freeman's side. He's going to hit have to hit the road pretty hard this offseason and really just see what he can do and bring some talent back to South Bend. I know you and I kind of saw some rumors that DJU might be a transfer target for, for Notre Dame. I think that's over uh, now, though. Huh? I think that's over now. His yeah. brother dropped his top three, and it's Oregon, USC, Ohio State. So I okay. think they're going to be heading to Ohio State, if I had to guess. Okay. So I think that would have been a huge pickup for Notre Dame. I, I know DJU has his flaws, but I think – being able to get into, I think the system that they run more pro style instead of him trying to be a drop back, throw it all over the yard quarterback would have fit him better. Um, but nonetheless, you know, go do your thing. Uh, you could see a guy like Devin Leary end up at Notre Dame. I think that'd be a great fit. Um, Sam Hartman. I, Sam, yeah, Sam Hartman. Um, uh, I've heard rumors of that guy that was Drake May's backup, Criswell. He might be a Notre Dame target as well as the Arkansas backup, Hornsby. Hudson Luke, Card could be another option. Uh, uh, Luke Altmeyer. Luke Altmeyer, yeah. But yeah, I heard that Hornsby kid's like – any team that he'll go to is like automatically one of the fastest kids on the team. Like apparently he's like Olympic. Oh, yeah, he's he, he's he's a, he's a fast kid, man. So, I think, I think with Marcus Freeman too, he's going to bring a physicality to the team that just wasn't there with Brian Kelly. I'm excited to see where the defense goes. They're going to continue to get better. And I think he is a player's coach that you and I love to say all the time. I think he's going to start getting a lot more out of these defensive guys. And I think he has the understanding that he's going to have to let the offensive coach do his thing. That way this offense stays open and keeps producing. Now, no, the Marshall game wasn't great, and they did have some down games offensively. But you still have to respect the fact that even with a backup former walk-on quarterback, which you know we we're seeing that a pretty decent bit here lately, especially you and I. But a former backup walk-on quarterback coming in and leading that offensive performance they had against Clemson, and they started putting up pretty decent points. And I know USC's defense isn't special, but they went to the Coliseum and were in that game for about two and a half, three quarters, uh, challenging USC and keeping pace with that offense, which in my opinion is pretty impressive. Uh, even if, like I said, you can say whatever you want about the defense, uh, but they were keeping up with USC's offense. So I'm excited to see what the future has for Notre Dame. 
uh, and Marcus Freeman. I think if they get a quarterback in there, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see how the program uh, evolves from there. Next, we'll go to number 20, Texas, finished 8-4. and four. I'm kind of curious as to why Texas is up here. Because um, it's Texas. Yeah. I, people want Texas back, to be back so bad, and I just – I don't know what it is. You know, you get the close win over Bama. You lose the tough one uh, to Texas Tech while yours is out. Then you struggle. You lose to Oklahoma State, who ended up being horrible the rest of the year. Ooh, um, Spencer Sanders, also Spencer Sanders to Notre Dame. I just thought about that myself. Into the transfer portal. Um, so, and then you obviously lose to TCU. So, not terrible four losses. I mean, the Oklahoma State one's not great. You can excuse the Texas Tech one, in my opinion. You lost. I think they were on the road for that one too. You lost without your starter quarterback. Even Hudson Card was limited in that game. He he was coming off injured. You lose by one point to Alabama at home, who was the defending runner up. So, and Alabama, we know where Alabama's been. Texas was able to fight with them physically. So yeah, that was great. And then you lose to a playoff team in TCU, who had an un unexpected rise to the top. So I'm a. Uh, I'm hoping Texas can come back. I think college, you and I have said plenty of times that college football is better when uh, the Blue Bloods are good. So if Texas can come back, that'd be great, especially with their you know move over to the SEC. We really need to see them in Oklahoma kind of come back to back to the limelight here. So decent year for Texas. I know they obviously want more, but with Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy going to their draft eligible seasons. You really think Sark needs to get this team going and something special needs to happen next year. Otherwise, even with Arch, you're going to start having questions about Sark and Texas. And if he goes, I think the floodgates open. You lose somebody like Arch and stuff just kind of opens up from there. So the NIL and transfer portal just, of course, as everybody knows, adds a whole different aspect to college football. Quinn Ewers, like you said, he's going to have to play better. Bajon's leaving for the NFL. I get that Cedric Baxter kid coming in is pretty good, but, I mean, Bajon's been one of the best running backs in college football for three years. It's hard to replace that. I was like, I don't think he's been as appreciated as he should have been since his freshman year. Like, this year, I think he's kind of gone under the radar, but I still think he's top three running back in the nation, if not one. Also, it's going to be – Interesting to see what they can do in the in, in the transfer portal with NIL because I mean Texas has probably the most money in the country. They're bo- they're they're boosters. They they're they've got say, full pockets. I would say I, they probably have the most money out of anybody in the country for sure. Top five easily. Also, like you said with Xavier Worthy, he's going into his draft eligible year. I get they can throw a bag at him, but what's saying that he won't transfer? He wants to get his draft stock up. It's stuff you just have to worry about. I don't think he will just because Quinn is the same age as him and they can have that kind of connection. But with Texas, I mean, you can't really ever count them out with the amount of resources that they do have and the fan base that they have. Really, the big question is Sark. Can he win the fi- Can he finally win the big game? And as of what we've seen so far, don't have too much faith in him. I know that it was close against Alabama, but as we've seen this whole year that Alabama really hasn't been Alabama of old. So 
like I said, it's just going to be interesting to see what they can do and how their team kind of shakes up when spring practice comes and rolls around. Because, I mean, teams are going to be changing from here till August, September. So it get crazy. All right. We'll, uh, we'll kind of pick up the pace here a little bit because I know you and I kind of want to talk about uh, some of the other postseason stuff that's going on. So, 19 South Carolina, I think you and I were super impressed by the way that they closed out their season with a blowout win over Tennessee, and they out in my opinion, Clemson. Those are huge wins. South Carolina suffered a tough one to Georgia. They lost uh, a bad one uh, earlier in the season to uh, Missouri, and – I mean, just to come back and show the dominance they did against Tennessee and Clemson, Shane Beamer is going to be a dude to watch out for at South Carolina. I think uh, I think right now South Carolina is the third best team in the East. I think Tennessee will have some staying power, especially with Iyama Leva coming in at quarterback, being able to run Hopple's offense. It's going to be a quarterback-friendly offense, and surprisingly Tennessee is recruiting well on defense right now. So I think Georgia and Tennessee have established their spots at the top and I think South Carolina is ahead of Florida right now. I think that's 100% a fact. And right now, I think South Carolina is ahead of Kentucky. Uh, you know, I I think they also lost to Kentucky, maybe. I'm not really sure. Um, but I think, I think South Carolina is going to be a fun program to watch here in the future. Um, really, really awesome season for Shane Beamer. And uh, of all people, Spencer Rattler – Nobody in college football outside of Caleb Williams had a better last two to three weeks of the season besides Sprint and uh, outside of Spencer Rattler. Like you said, Shane Beamer's just kind of that dude. We've said it all year that we're big fans of him, and they just kind of finally put it together. Spencer Rattler had the craziest outing I've ever seen in my life. Terrible quarterback every single week until the last few. They just all kind of put it together. It's going to be tough for them to rebuild, though. Cam Smith's leaving, transfer portal. Jaheim Bell's leaving. Yeah, so. I think Beamer can do it, though. Uh, But, like you said, it'll be interesting to see what the transition looks like. Yeah. I mean, Spencer Rattler's coming back. You'll have him probably a year or two more, considering how bad his draft stock will probably be, unless he continues to play like this, which I don't think he does. But like you said, I have complete faith in Shane Beamer that he can get it done and that he'll bring South Carolina back to prominence and could see them being a two or three team in the East. UCLA, 9-3, They had a great season. Lost to uh, Oregon, obviously. Uh, lost to USC. Got a good win over Washington. I think UCLA has to be excited about this season and – their ability to get to nine wins added a whole lot of power to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 had an excellent season, and they needed it. Uh, you got five teams inside the top 25, and, I mean, you had, you had a team in Washington State that I think if a couple more things go their way, they probably end up in there too with six total teams. Amazing year for the Pac-12. Great year for UCLA. Unfortunately, you do lose uh, DTR. Uh don't and know. Charbonnet. Yeah. Don't know how great they'll be next year. Um, but yeah, awesome season for UCLA. So it's definitely going to be crazy to see how their season ends up. Like you said, DTR's been there for forever. Charbonnet's been a thousand yard rusher, I think, ever since he's got there. He's popped off. 
UCLA is another team that's got decent money. They're a Cali team. Pretty desirable spot to land up in, especially if you play on offense. And some of these academic guys that want to go to a place that they can see it on the field, succeed on the field too, UCLA is a, a nice, attractive option. Like you said, I think they could possibly bring it back. I don't know how well they'll do next year considering all the players that they're leaving, but with NIL and transfer portal, it's always never out of the count. Next up, this one's kind of uh, – I, I kind of feel bad to talk about this one. LSU at 9-4, and four, being all the way down at 17. I, I was really excited to see the possibilities for LSU. Um, obviously, didn't want them to beat it, uh, Georgia in the SEC championship by any means, but that loss to A&M to close out the season after the, the, the kind of fights, the scratching and clawing they had been through, you know, they lose to Florida State at the beginning of the season who turned out to be a really good football team. Had some bad losses in the middle of their season, but closed out really well. Um, and then you have the the AM loss, which is obviously super tough. And then you get blown out at home. After that blowout loss to Tennessee at home, they bounce back and had amazing wins. They dominate Ole Miss. They come back from behind, beat Alabama on a two-point conversion, which was an incredible game. And Kind of had the scratch and claw moment of the year whenever they beat Arkansas 13 to 10, but every good team has a clunker that they got to fight through. So I don't really fault them for that one. I just really hate the way that they looked against AM. Obviously, that team had nothing to lose, and LSU were, was fighting for their life for a playoff spot. Jaden Daniels going down was also tough, and it kind of sucked to see him not at 100% in the SEC championship. But I think if you're Brian Kelly, you still got to take this as a win. You have an opportunity to go for 10 wins in your first season, and I don't think you should be upset about that. I think it just perfectly describes their whole entire season. They've been hot and cold all year. Like you said, when they got on that run, they looked like one of the best teams in the country, and then they could just turn around and look like one of the worst. I mean, it's his first year. Jaden Daniels at QB was came all the way from Arizona State, played in the SEC, did pretty good at it. Got some big wins, tough losses. I think – I don't know if he comes back next year. I think he can. I just don't I think, know. I he, think he can. I don't, I don't know, know if he will, though. don't we'll know see. if he's decided. There's a chance that Kayshawn might transfer B.J. or Jalari, he, I think. Kayshawn did come out and put on Twitter that he is coming back oh, to okay. LSU. Well, then that's huge Which is wild. Yeah. Because even sure. with the inconsistencies of this year, people still expected him to be a late first-round, early second-round guy. So that's huge for LSU. And then I don't know if BJ will leave or not. Not sure. Uh, Jay Ward has already declared their safety, which was kind of weird. I, I didn't really see too much buzz uh, about him. Uh, but they have lost a couple guys to the portal, but nothing crazy. And you still have Harold Perkins. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up next. Harold Perkins and Sage Ryan are still over there. You'll get Mason Smith back uh, ne- next year after going down. I think the first game this year with an injury, who was a former I think top 10 player of his class, top 15, something crazy like that, who hasn't really touched the field much. So they do have some returning pieces. It's just interesting to see how their offense shapes up and what they can do in the on the recruiting trail. I think they picked up some heat after they won against Alabama, but it's probably cooled off considering how poorly they closed out the season. Like you said, I think Brian Kelly has to take this on a win. Came all the way from Notre Dame to the SEC and beat one of the big dogs and he said has a chance to get 10 wins, and I think it's a success in his first year. This one will kind of run through Tulane, best group of five team. They're going to get a spot in the Cotton Bowl against USC. Uh, great season 
I mean, really great season. They avenge their loss to UCF. So, and then their only other loss was to Ole Miss to begin the season, which they played pretty well in. And they also have a win over Kansas State, who is a top 10 team. So, amazing season for Tulane. And I'm really, I'm excited for you and I to really deep dive and preview that game against USC. Because this is one of those, it's like, will USC really be as much into it as they should be with, you know, the playoff kind of falling out of their grasp. And then now they have to play a group of five team. And they're still a good football team, though. So They are still a good football team. So, like I math. said, I'll be interested to talk about that one. So, with this, we'll kind of lump the next two in together. Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon State coming out with a huge win at the end of the season over Oregon. Uh, I don't think Oregon had playoff hopes uh, all that much after their loss to Washington, but losing to Oregon State completely took it away. Um, I thought Oregon was going to come back and look like one of the more dominant teams and easily work their way into the playoff race, especially after their win uh, against UCLA. Um, Really feel bad for Lanning, but still, 9-3 and three is a really good season. I think he's going to establish some good things over there. Oregon State, excellent year. Not, not really anything else to say. This program has been the bottom of the barrel of the Pac-12 for a long, long, long time. So, I think this is huge. I think it's something that they can build off of. They consistently have a pretty good offense. And if they have some staying power, I mean, you could start getting some of those lower-ranked hidden gem guys uh, on defense in the Northwest and maybe reach into California some and get some good guys too. So awesome win to close out the season for Oregon state. Unfortunately, don't go to too big of a bowl game. They got to play Florida and Vegas. Um, but Hey, if you can beat Florida, go to 10 wins. You can't complain about that. Awesome. Awesome year for Oregon state. I'm interested. I'm just interested to see where Oregon goes. I think there's a few rumors that, Lanning could have taken a new job after only spending one year at Oregon. Bo I Nicks, think he stays for a while. I think he does too, but, I mean, money's money. So. True. Bo will come back. Dante Moore will come in. That could be an interesting QB battle. They lose Justin Flo to the portal. I think Noah Sewell declares for the draft. They could be a, looking at a whole different team. I think they already lost seven McGee. They already lost that uh, – I think it was – one of their best receivers or one of their receivers declared or something like that. So they could look like a whole different team. But with a Bo lot Nicks, of their offensive line was seniors too. So, but with Bo Nix being two years into an offense and with a guy as talented as Dante Moore coming in, I think it could completely elevate them as a team. It's just hopefully they can have the kind of same offensive firepower that they did this year. And like you said, I think they could easily have 10 wins next year and even compete for a playoff spot, which. In my opinion, they were good enough to do this year. So, all all hopes for landing. I think you make that team great, bring them back, and let's see all the craziest uniforms that we can see. Next, we got Florida State nine and three again. Had an awesome win to start the season against uh, LSU. Kind of had some tough ones in there in the middle. Uh, then closed out the season with some really awesome wins. And man, that was a fun game to watch against Florida. Uh, Mike Norvell did a great job this year. Jordan Travis coming back. I think I think he'll probably be in the Heisman conversation too. I mean, his stats look great this year. Um, really kind of carried that offense. And I think that their offensive style is really going to start drawing a lot of guys in 
because they're they're very balanced but they're very explosive one thing i saw said that they were the most explosive play heavy offense in the entire country which is actually kind of shocking to say uh considering the offenses we've seen you know usc tcu's been explosive this year ohio state and georgia and michigan so and tennessee so really good season for florida state i'm really excited to see what they can possibly do next year um but overall good bounce back season after where they've been they're going to be a team that's going to look to add a lot in the transfer portal just because of what they can do with NIL. The recruiting classes haven't been anything special in years, I think, since Derwin James. I think was probably one of their last amazing players to come out of there, Jalen Ramsey. But they haven't recruited well in I don't know how many years. Like you said, Jordan Travis absolutely played crazy this year. He kind of carried the team on his back a little bit like Drake May. I think his team was better around him, though. So they'll be, I think they'll be a team looking to add a ton in the transfer portal, which could make them very dangerous with seniority and experience and this and that and all the other things that will make them great. It's just how well Travis Hunter can play next year if he can kind of, uh, not Travis Hunter. Why am I blanking on his name? Jordan Travis play next year because if he can have a season like he did this year. I think Florida State could be a top 10 team at the end of the year, maybe even potentially top seven. So it'll be interesting to see. Like we said before, like we'll say again, they're a blue blood. It'll be fun when Florida State's good again. Bring something back to the ACC and not just let it be Clemson's conference. I'll lump these next two in uh, as well. Penn State, Washington, Washington at 12, Penn State at 11, and then we'll kind of lump and give our thoughts about the top 10 as a group. Uh, Washington, great season. Uh, you got the win over Oregon at home, which was huge. Or, well, they were on the road, but beat Oregon at home, which was huge. Uh, yeah, Bo Nix wasn't full health that game, uh, but very questionable coaching decision at the very end of the game by Lanning. And at one point, I do believe they had a pretty, pretty good lead, Oregon did. Um, but really impressed with what Michael Penix was able to do. He is coming back. I think this offense is going to be even more explosive next year. And, I don't know what it is about Washington, but they are always putting out dudes on defense. So I really think Washington has made their way back into the Pac-12 conversation. I think them, USC, Utah, and Oregon at the top. And then you've got Oregon State, Washington State in that next tier. You've got some really good guys uh, uh, or really good players in that conference. And I'm really excited to see the, the potential for the Pac-12 in the future. Yeah, you're going to use lose USC and UCLA in the, in the coming years, but – Nonetheless, the Pac-12 is going to be fun for right now. So, Then Penn State, obviously your only losses are to Michigan and uh, Ohio State. Yeah, you want to win those games, but nobody's ever going to complain about a 10-win season. Uh, I think you know there for a little while they were in that Ohio State game. I still believe if you got somebody other than Sean Clifford, you got a chance to win that football game, but we're finally going to see Sean Clifford leave and Drew Aller will be the quarterback next year. I think we'll really see what kind of team this can be as long as Aller is put in a position to succeed and this offense can be opened up. We can't see this dink and dunk crap that we've seen with Sean Clifford over the years, and I don't want to see him run him to death, especially with the running backs that they got. Great year for Penn State, but you got a chance to really set up your future here. So I think Penn State's going to be one of the best teams in the country the next few years with Drew Aller. 
I'm a huge fan of him. I think he was an animal coming out of high school. And like you said, if they just put him in a position to succeed, I think Penn State will finish as a top seven team, maybe even a playoff team the next three years, depending on how well he can play. I mean, we've seen J.J. McCarthy do it. I think if you give him a starting role last year, I think, honestly, they play a better football game than they did with Cade McNamara against us in the playoffs. He's just been absolutely on fire this year. He's taken that team again to the playoffs to a win over Ohio State when Ohio State was at home and now number two team in the country. If Drew Roller can do that, like I said, I think Penn State will be sitting very pretty. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Ohio State next year. I think Michigan will be a tough ass to take down for a freshman, but I think it'll be Penn State and Michigan kind of as the two top dogs on the Big Ten next year. So with that, Again, I'll, I'll kind of go from 10 all the way to 1, and then I'll let you kind of give your thoughts. I'll give my thoughts, and then we'll kind of react, and then we'll go to our next thing. Again, it's 10 USC, 9 Kansas State, 8 Utah, 7 Clemson, 6 Tennessee, 5 Alabama, 4 Ohio State, 3 TCU, 2 Michigan, 1 Georgia. Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions. You kind of run with it, and then if there's anything else you want to add on, add on. So A, did they get the four teams right for the playoff? And 2, do you have any exceptions with how they put the top 10? And is there anybody outside of the top 10 that should be moved up? Or are there any changes overall that you would make? I think they easily got the number or the four right. Um, the Alabama thing annoys me because, I mean, you're asking it for the playoff for the first time ever. I get it's Alabama. I get they've been there a million times. I get they're the standard that you want to set in college football. But with the teams that we have this year, you're asking the playoff committee to put a for the first time ever put a two win or two lost team in the playoff when I mean you see LSU's resume and y'all lost to that. You're asking Nick Saban got on national t- TV and begged to be in the playoffs on essentially. Fox. So I mean that's just that just puts in perspective why Alabama didn't deserve to be in the playoff. Ohio State's only losses to Michigan. I get it was by a lot, and it was at home. But, I mean, you're looking at potential number two. Basically, who's going to be playing the national champion championship as of right now, as far as I'm concerned? I think it's going to be us in Michigan in the play, or in the championship right now. TCU's had a breakout year. I don't think them losing to Kansas State really should do anything because, I mean, you wouldn't kick us out if we lost to LSU and LSU lost to Texas A&M and – like you said, they're at 17 right now. So I think they got the four teams right. I think number two, number one and number two will play in the championship together this year. Ohio State does scare me a little bit, but I think we'll be okay. We're playing in Atlanta. I think USC dropping all the way to 10, dropping all the way to 10 is kind of crazy. I think they're one of the better teams in the country. Tennessee I don't think should be that high. They lost Hendon Hooker, and they just haven't been the same with Joe Milton. Kansas State's not a top 10 team in the country. I get they beat TCU, but they're not a top 10 team in the country. Alabama at five is ridiculous to me. A two-loss team shouldn't be uh, number five. When LSU's sitting at 17, like, come on. like That's just ridiculous. So, I do think there's some flaws with the top 10. I think they're just doing as best they can until they get the expanded 12-team playoff, and then they can just kind of throw anybody in there that they want. 
But I do think they got the right teams in there. I think those are the four best teams in college football. Everybody's just been so hot and cold this year except the ones that are in the playoffs. I don't think there's really been any other team that's been as solid as the four that are in. I get Ohio State's had some close games, but they've won all of them except Michigan. Michigan's been great even after losing Blake Corum. TCU, Max Duggan put up – I know he probably won't win the Heisman, but Max Duggan put up a Heisman-like performance in his championship game. I mean, he put TCU on his back on on his back and was the reason <laughs> that they got to overtime. So he had a crazy like point. And I mean, I get everybody can say we struggle with Kent State, we struggle with Missouri, we struggled with we only beat Kentucky by three or six or whatever it was. But given the competition that we've had to play, we have the two best win two best wins in the country with how bad that we dominated our opponents and by the margin of score. I don't think anybody else has a better win than us except maybe Michigan. So I think they got the four best teams and I think it's going to be a pretty good playoff. So, I mean, I agree with you, obviously. I think they got the four teams right. I don't think anybody else was deserving. Yeah. The Ohio state thing, in my opinion, I think Tennessee just completely, excuse my language. I don't know. You know, they pissed away an opportunity. 100% 100% and it sucks. It really does because I really think that Tennessee in the playoff would have been fun to see. And I think it gives you the opportunity to bump TCU down to four and put Tennessee at three because I'm telling you right now, I would have loved nothing more than to watch Tennessee's offense face that Michigan defense. Who's been playing amazing and see how Tennessee's defense responds to the physicality that Michigan has, because I feel like Georgia and Michigan are two different, different beasts from the same animal. You know, they both love to dominate on the run game and they do the play action pass thing. They've both started to get more open on the offense, but I think Michigan kind of can start to rely more on their run game. And I think Georgia has gotten more confident in relying on their pass game. So I really would have loved to see that, seen that matchup. I still think Michigan probably comes out with the win, especially with what we know about Tennessee now. And it sucks to see Hendon Hooker to go down the way that he did. I really hate that for him. Uh, he was a fun guy to watch. I think he should have won the Heisman, in my opinion. We'll get there. Um, if he doesn't go down, I think he's squarely in the conversation. Uh, he had an amazing season. It just sucks to, you know that he had such a poor performance against Georgia. Um, I mean, I'm not uh, upset about that, obviously, but it was fun to watch his story this season as a college football fan. The one thing that I will never understand, and I, I I would love to go sit in that room with the committee. The the top twelve makes almost little to no sense to me. So besides Georgia and Michigan and TCU and Ohio State, the top four are correct. I will give them that. Can you please explain to me why Penn State is not number five? If we people love Alabama more than anybody else. If Alabama and Penn State played tomorrow on a neutral field and you gave me and you ran that game through a simulator ten times, I guarantee you that's more close to a 50-50 than people think it is. If we're gonna go off eye tests and all this other crap and Alabama's getting credit for their losses, then why is Penn State not getting credit for their losses? Penn State should be five. I think it's ridiculous. Alabama is getting way too much love right now. The only reason Alabama has 10 wins is Bryce Young. 
and Jameer Gibbs. That's why I think people have them at five. Will Anderson was not the same Will Anderson this year. He was still great. Do not get me wrong. 85% Will Anderson is still 100% better than a lot of guys that go out on a football field every Saturday. But Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs were this football team. Yeah, single-handedly. Brian Branch was the best player on the Alabama defense this year. Yeah, Will Anderson's kind of working his way out of a top three potential pick, and it looks like Jalen Carter's kind of taking over for his potential number one overall pick. Here's here's how I would have it, five to 12. I would put Penn State at number five. I would have Clemson at number six. I, yes, Clemson is not great, but they went 11 and two, and they dominated – North Carolina in the conference championship game. With Cade Klubnick. With Cade Klubnick. They are a different team with Klubnick. So if we're going to value Tennessee less than Alabama because they don't have Hooker, if it's going to be that important by one player, then it needs to work the other way. Clemson should be six. Utah should be seven. Kansas State should be eight. I wholeheartedly believe that. Then USC should be none. No, I don't, be- I don't believe that Kansas State's a better football team than USC. Though. I believe Kansas State is a better football team than USC. I don't think that. I do. I don't think Kansas State, they don't play a game that's pretty, but their physicality and the way they played is so similar to Utah, I think they would beat USC. And then after that, I think it should be Tennessee, then Alabama, and then Washington. I think if Alabama and Washington played on a neutral field right now, I think that game's closer than you think it is. Probably, like I said, I think when you have Nick Saban on your television show begging to be in the playoff and trying to make his case, I think it just proves that this is not the Alabama team of old and not what he normally has. And I th- honestly, I get he's a legend. I get he's the GOAT of coaching in college football, but that was pretty sad to me, in my opinion. Like, I get you want your players to have the most equal – or. I wouldn't even say equal opportunity, but like a fighting chance to get in. But in my opinion, that was pr- that was pretty sad for a, a guy that's come out and bash people for stuff that they've done in the past, and then you get on national TV and beg to get in a spot in the playoffs one time when you don't get in. I think that was pretty sad. But like you said, I think this just isn't the Alabama team that we're used to seeing with all the hype that they had coming in. Like you said, Bryce, Bryce Young's just done it all this year. Realistically, if it meant – or what the Heisman means. I mean, Bryce Young has a pretty good case because I mean, if they don't, have, I mean, if they throw Jalen Miller out there, they win four games, maybe. Bryce so, Young has just done it all this year. So if we if we want to start cherry picking and for whatever reason give Alabama credit for their losses, LSU had four losses and beat them. It, it's so cool. Whatever. Yeah, the Tennessee loss was close, but I mean, you've dominated them for years. So Tennessee sneaking up and getting you. I mean, you knew they were good. You should have been prepared. Alabama had a one-point win over Texas, who, yeah, they're ranked, but you could argue that they shouldn't be. Cool, it's on the road. But Texas is has been a dumpster fire. So a one-point win over Texas on the road. Sure, fine. A 49 well, not to interrupt you, but I mean, Go ahead. Quinn Ewers got hurt in that game. He did. And Hudson Card I'll almost beat that, you. And I say they were playing with a limping Hudson Card. The defense for Who, Texas on his throw made Alabama's throw. offensive line look sorry. They, it's, Texas is a miss. I don't care what else happened the rest of the game. 
Texas is a missed sack away from winning that football game. And also, I'd like to add, I know you're trying to move on, but with the Tennessee thing, I mean, obviously their passing offense is crazy. Your strength of your defense is your secondary. You have three or four seniors back there with Kool-Aid and Eli Ricks. Yeah, you have three future first-round NFL draft picks in your secondary. And nothing but... Helms is going to be a second-rounder. Malachi Moore is going to be a second-rounder. Talent and leadership back there, and you still got absolutely shredded. So, 49-26 win over Arkansas. Again, on the road, whatever. Arkansas ended up 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, you won 49-26, to 26, but this was close for a while. And if not for the wheels of Jalen Milrow, Arkansas probably stays in this game longer because Bryce Young... He didn't look great in this football game. Yes, he goes down, and I hate that, but still. Texas A&M is a terrible play call away from winning that football game over you, and that was at home. That was a god-awful game from Alabama. They should have won that. They should have lost that football game. I think that was probably the worst go-on play I've ever seen in my life. Yes, that was an easy win over Mississippi State. You also almost lose to Ole Miss, who ended up 8-4. Alabama is is a few plays away from having four to five losses this season. Do not get on my TV and sit here and explain to me why your players deserve a shot. No, they don't. They did not earn it. I don't want to hear it from you, Nick Saban. I really don't. So Alabama at five is 100% a joke to me. 100% a joke. And we're going to see how good this team is when they play Kansas State because Kansas State has a point to prove. I think this is going to take take down the Kings. I think this is going to be a lot like the 2010 Sugar Bowl. I know you're a little young to remember that, but Utah, they whooped Alabama. Especially if Alabama Young sits out. Alabama thought they deserved everything under the sun, especially because they lost to Auburn by one point on that crazy comeback from Cam Newton that year, and they got demolished. They got demolished. I don't think Kansas State comes and runs all over Alabama because Alabama's a different monster than they were 12 years ago, but Kansas State's going to come in with a point to prove, and they're going to smack Alabama in the mouth. So you wanted a spot in the playoffs? I think this could end up being a situation like what we saw with Texas and Georgia in 2018. Georgia swore up and down they deserved a spot in the playoffs, and then Texas came in, out-physicaled them in the first half, got up by I think it was like 17 points or something and then end up winning 28-20. And Georgia's sitting here like, wait, what just happened? So we were the reason that the meme of Sam Ellinger came, like Texas is back. That's because of us. <laughs> oh, I can laugh about it now. Um, uh, I'm not crazy about the committee. I probably won't ever be. Uh, I just feel like, yes, it, in my opinion, I think it's better that humans are making the decision instead of a computer. Just because, like, human intuition can play a little bit more into what's going on than a computer can, because computers, it's just straight numbers, and numbers don't tell the full story. But I don't know. This thing, this thing is skewed, and I, th- I think going to 12 is not the way we should have went. I think it should be eight. I think 12 is just too many. I think that's just them trying to eliminate mistakes of I th- yeah. having more chance to hit on, I think play, you're right. on teams that should get in like this year, they couldn't make a mistake this year. Because realistically, I think outside of the top 10, I don't outside of the top 11, 12, I don't think there's any team that even survive in the playoffs. I, so, think, I think you're right. 
Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's never going to be perfect ever, but at least we got the teams right this year. And with that, for this last little bit, we'll just kind of review the bigger bowl games and then you and I will kind of give our closing thoughts on what we think of the Heisman choices. And then we'll just kind of close it out from there. So I'm going to run through the bowl games again. We'll just do this kind of similar to how we just did the rankings. You give your thoughts on the games. And then if you have any questions for me, you ask and then vice versa, I'll give my thoughts and then you can kind of react to what I say. And then we'll go to the Heisman thing. All right. So your new year six, the orange bowl, Tennessee and Clemson, the Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Kansas State, the Fiesta Bowl, which is one of the semifinals, TCU, Michigan, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Georgia, Ohio State. You got the Cotton Bowl, USC, Tulane, and then the Rose Bowl, Penn State, Utah. So I'm going to let you kind of go in your order. Uh, Just kind of tell me what you're excited to see in these matchups if you think it's going to be a good game overall you can kind of give me a ranking of which ones you think will be the best all the way down to the worst whatever you want to do uh yeah what you think we're just going to get the two big ones out of the way i think of course i mean i think everybody or as a georgia fan i think everybody wants to play tcu after seeing what they did you're never really super excited to go about going against Ohio state with the way that their offense can be I think we just we got a lot going in our favor. We're, we've been to the Chick-fil-A Bowl before, playing Atlanta. I think a lot of things are learning our way, but you never really know. Uh, Michigan, I think. If they can play like how they did against Ohio State, I think it'll be pretty easily towards them. But like you said, I think TCU has some fight. Max Duggan's a great quarterback. The USC Tulane one, I think it could potentially be one of the highest scoring bowl games in probably history. I think they could probably both easily go for 50 points. <laughs> I'm glad you points. said that. I'll touch on that later. Yeah, I, I think it's just going to be a lot not to scoreboard continuously all night. The Tennessee Clemson doesn't really interest me all that much just because – from what I saw of Joe Milton, I wasn't really too impressed. I think he has one of the strongest arms I think I've ever seen. I, I mean, he can literally put so much velocity and spin on the football. It's kind of crazy to see. I mean, he's a when I can't remember what game it was that he came in. I think it was when him and Hooker got hurt. I was sitting there watching the football game, and he was overthrowing dudes that were going on go routes to the back of the end zone by 20 yards. I don't know if that's just him putting everything he has into it or his arm is just that talented, but I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. And like we said earlier, Cade Klubnick is just, he turns that team into a different animal. DJU's gone. It's just going to be really interesting to see what all talent for Clemson sits out. Cause I mean, the strong point of their team is their defense, but their whole, almost their whole defensive lines going first or second round. So if they all sit out, I think it could potentially be a high scoring game. It'll just be really interesting to see. And just to go back on what we said about the Alabama-Kansas State, if Bryce Young sits out, this game could get very ugly, very quick. If he does play, which I don't think he will, I think he's 
preparing for the draft or whatever they like to say now, basically saying that they don't want to get hurt or that they just don't want to risk anything. I think it could be a tough game for TCU, but from what we've seen, I wouldn't be shocked if they pull out a win on this one because Alabama just really shocked me this year. I think I made it pretty well known at the beginning of the year. I thought they were going to be the 90 champs pretty easily, and they just haven't lived up to it. So it really all just comes down to Bryce Young. I think he's the really big decision maker between win or lose in that, in that whole kind of ordeal. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested that you said you're not all that interested in the Tennessee Clemson game. Clemson game. Um, I think this has a chance to be an excellent football game. Uh, I'm really interested to see the Clemson defense against this Tennessee offense because, in my opinion, I believe you see Brian Brzee sit out, Miles Murphy sit out, and Trenton Simpson sit out. Uh, Fred Davis is gone. So that's another one that's kind of going to be interesting to see. But I still think Clemson has enough talent on defense to make this interesting, especially, like you said, since Hendon Hooker's out. We'll probably see Cedric Tillman sit out, if I had to say, especially with him battling the ankle injury. Um, and then to see Joe Milton against this defense, the DBs aren't what they used to be for Clemson. I'm interested to see how this matchup shakes out. I think we see a lot of young guys get some good playing time in this. And I'm really excited to see Klubnik against the Tennessee defense because the Tennessee pass defense has been pretty good uh, at times. So I actually am looking forward to that matchup. Alabama-Kansas State, I don't necessarily think if Bryce Young sits out I, that they lose per se, uh, but I think it ends up being a better game than people think. I think Kansas State's going to come hit them in the mouth, and they have, they're they going to play with a chip on their shoulder. And honestly, Kansas State has nothing to lose. They have 10 wins. If they go to four wins, that's expected. They're not expected to beat Alabama, especially in New Orleans. So Alabama, out of sorts. Guys are, gonna, guys are already hitting the transfer portal. You know, does Bryce Young play? Does Jameer play? Is he going to sit out? The offensive line play has been garbage. The Kansas State defense is really good up front. And, uh, you know, I don't think Adrian Martinez is going to play, but Skylar Thompson, or not Skylar Thompson, Will Howard has been playing amazing. He's not a dual threat guy, but he has enough escapability to really challenge this Alabama defense. If Brian Branch doesn't play. Didn't Will Howard come over for like LSU or something like that? Like he was, no, I don't think so. Um, He sounds like somebody that, that was at LSU for some reason. But I think it's going to be a better game than people think. TCU-Michigan, uh, Michigan, in my opinion, is a better version of what Kansas State is. So I don't really see a world in which TCU wins that football game. I think they can keep it close for a half, and by no means do I think that's impossible. Um, but I, I still think Michigan's going to assert their dominance in the second half. They've been a second-half team all year, and I just think that continues – Georgia, Ohio State's hard for me, especially after watching the defense play the way they did against LSU uh, in the third quarter. Terrifying. Really? I mean, honestly, though, outside of the third quarter, the defense played pretty well. The first few drives scared me, though. My thing is the defense played a lot more zone than we normally do. We didn't send as much pressure as we normally do, even though – Jaden Daniels with the hobbled leg really wasn't a threat to run, so I'm not really sure – 
Well, uh, that was the choice. But could just be hiding stuff for a hostage. It, it very, very well could be. Um, and then your your two best guys in the secondary played by far their worst games all season. Starks I've never and, seen Keely Ringo play that terrible of a game. T- the Tennessee Keely Ringo, if he shows up and plays like that against Marvin Harrison, great against Tennessee. He played though, amazing yeah. against Tennessee. Go back and watch it, dude. Please, I promise oh, you, go I back and look. He, he played incredible. He made he made Hyatt look bad on a lot of plays. He really did. Go back and watch it. I promise you'll your opinion will change. I know you don't like him as much as I do, but I do agree with you. This was by far the worst game. I would argue of his career. This was the he worst game for Ringo. Terrible. And Starks did not play good at all. No, I saw he misread passes. His coverage was off. And that that pass play to open the the second half drives for LSU, that that dot he threw to neighbors. He had that interception. That's why I was just he just randomly it. undercut it. Like, what are you doing? Well, I also think that he was used to Jaden Daniels throwing the football and not True. somebody like Nussmeyer zipped that thing in there. So. Who has? I mean, even mom was when I got home was talking about how crazy he could throw the football. I mean, he has some zip on the football. I think he just that was him being a freshman and not really recognizing, and then him just like you said undercutting it and not just getting over there fast enough. I don't think we see that again, and I, I think Kirby's going to use that as motivation. Um, but I think this is probably going to be the best of the New Year's Six games, I, I would have to say. Um, just the the way that the matchups work on both sides of the ball lead this to being a very good football game. Uh, USC Tulane, I'm with you. I, I, there could be 100 total points scored in this game, and I wouldn't be shocked because neither defense exists and both offenses are really good. I think Tulane's going to come in with a little bit more of the chip on their shoulder, and I full heart, wholeheartedly believe that they can win this football game. You can look at me as crazy as you want, uh, but if I had to pick a winner and put money on it, I'm putting money on Tulane. But in my opinion, I think this secretly could be the best matchup we get. Penn State-Utah. I feel like they're the exact same team. One just has a better quarterback than the other. And the other team has a better defense, even though both are, are still pretty good. Cam Rising is one of my favorite players to watch in college football because nobody leads their team better than him. I mean, that hit he took in the Pac-12 championship game that got was a like, shot and then got right back up at no hesitation. I must say, you can't even accelerate you that can, as a defensive you player. You cannot help but want to go out there and let your – freaking body on the line for a dude like that. And we can't even celebrate that as a defense. Like, yeah, you he just gets up. Lick he gets and, up and he's like, Phew. yeah, like you can't even celebrate. Like that just takes out all air in your tires. It's just like, as a, as a player, it's like, I thought I really just hurt this dude. And then he just gets right back up. I'm probably going to rock with Penn state in that game, but Utah after their close loss last year has got a chip on their shoulder. They're going to win a win. Um, but I really like the, the thought of this matchup. I think it's going to be, amazing uh really cannot wait wait to watch this matchup uh just both sides of the ball i mean it's it's going to be a slugfest it might end up being 27 24 but it's going to be the most exciting hard-hitting and fun 27 24 game that you've ever seen so that'll that's kind of our that's kind of our uh, uh preview of the bowl big bowl matchups kind of our thoughts things like that just to kind of close out, we're not going to spend a too huge amount of time on this, but your Heisman finalists, Stetson Bennett, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Max Duggan. Give me your thoughts, bud. 
I think Caleb Williams wins Heisman. I think he has he's had a great year. CJ Stroud, I get his stats may say it, but he just hasn't played like a Heisman this year. Max Duggan, I think he could go undefeated and have the same season as Caleb Williams. I still don't think they give him the Heisman just because he's from TCU. I do think he had the most Heisman-like moment out of any single player in the country when he started that last drive in the fourth quarter against Kansas State. I mean, it literally was all him. I think that was one of the most crazy Heisman moments that I've ever seen. You get to Stetson Bennett. I'm not a – my relationship with Stetson Bennett is very interesting. I hate it. I'm not a big fan of Stetson Bennett, but I don't think that we win a – we definitely don't win a national championship without him. So, for that, I'm grateful. And we we have a chance to win one this year because of him. Just some of the plays he makes, some of the decisions. It's not that he's even 5'9 or whatever he is in a former walk-on. It's just some things that he does I can't stand. But I am grateful that he brought a national championship to us and might win another one. If he does, I think he's possibly one of the greatest walk-ons ever. And probably, if not for Aaron Murray, which I think their resumes are kind of whatever, I think he is probably the greatest or greatest Georgia quarterback in Georgia history because, I mean, he's played great. I do think, like what you said earlier, I do think instead of C.J. Stroud, honestly, I think – the only person that truly deserves to be there is Caleb Williams, but I think with C.J. Stroud and Stetson Bennett, I think Blake Corum and Hennon Hooker deserve to be there. Blake Corum played an absolutely insane year. He carried Michigan on his back on his back all year. And like you said, Hennon Hooker has his story, his season. He played absolutely crazy this year, and it just sucks that he went down and kind of had an unfortunate game against South Carolina like he did. But like I said, with those candidates – I think you can interchange them. I think the only person that would really fight Caleb Williams for the Heisman would be Hendon Hooker. But because, I mean, it's hard enough to win it as a running back. And especially if you're hurt, I don't think Blake Horn really had a chance. It just really sucks to see because, I mean, I've been excited for this year as a college football. I think it's been a crazy year. But in comparison to what we've seen in Heisman finalists in the previous years, it's just kind of been a kind of a letdown if i do say so myself so just kind of, kind of quick thoughts for me uh i think the guy that should have won it went down in the south carolina game hendon hooker i think he deserved it no matter how his performance was against georgia um that's i think it's that would have been the thing that kept him from getting it in my opinion but i think he deserved it he's the whole reason tennessee had the resurgence they had this year i don't think tennessee does that without him yeah. and this is the the that's the one thing I hate about this award too, is this should go to the best player in college football. Not the best quarterback. Not the best quarterback. But you know what? Tennessee does not accomplish what they accomplished without Hendon Hooker. I say you throw Drew Milton out there. If nothing, that is what the Heisman Trophy is. And he was a leader. His teammates love him. The program, the people around the program love him. The community loves him. Everybody loves him. Even the guys that played against him, they have respect for him. Fans that are on opposing teams, you and I both have a lot of respect for him. I think he should have won, barring the injury. And in my opinion, I think the runner-up should have been Blake Corum. Unfortunately, he gets hurt too. And then a guy that's not even there, 
Yes, Bryce Young won it last year, but I don't think Alabama's where they are without Bryce Young this year. And he was hurt. So, yeah, you got to take that into account too. But I think those three really made their case. And then Drake May not being invited, it's, it's whatever. Cool. Share. Yeah. Um, But out of the four we've got, I'm with you wholeheartedly. I think it's Caleb Williams. If not, it should be Max Duggan. Uh, God didn't even start the season as the starter for TCU, then came in and balled out. I think he had the Heisman moment. I'm with you on that one. And I think TCU is not even in that Big 12 championship game without him. So they're undefeated up to that point. That's true. That's true. I think their season just kind of, I think it was what we saw this year with Jalen Daniels at Kansas. I think their whole season was Max Duggan. And if he would have went down, I think it would have been a dumpster fire. I, I can, I can totally see that honestly. And yeah, Williams has the numbers and X, Y, Z and all that kind of stuff. But that, that performance against Oregon state, you and I talked about it at the early part of the season and this performance against Utah. Yeah. He didn't play bad and obviously destroyed his hamstring and whatever, but he, I don't care what anybody said. He had the offensive stuff around him to succeed and Lincoln Riley's probably going to get his third Heisman winning quarterback. Fine. Whatever. Uh, but for me, I think it should go to Max Duggan out of these four. It won't. I don't, and in my opinion, I think Stetson Bennett should be getting more credit than CJ, CJ Stroud. Because if you look at Stetson Bennett's performances against the top opponents he's played in against in his career at Georgia, nobody plays bigger and bigger games than Stetson Bennett. The man shows up when the lot is the biggest. And all these people that think he's thrown to superstars – are idiots. I was just about to bring that up. I saw somebody in the God, people are so, they are so uninformed and I'm it sorry. drives me crazy. I saw something the other day. It was in a comment section about, I think it was when Stetson got invited to the uh, finalist trophy presentation or whatever. And that everybody uses his excuse of that. He's throwing the four and five stars. Why is that not CJ Stroud or Bryce Young's excuse for last well, year? There's only one five star on our offense. And it's Darnell Washington. It's Darnell Washington. Everybody else is a four or three star. Who's basically a superstar offensive lineman. Lad McConkey was a three star. AD Mitchell was a three star. Brock Bowers was a four star. Uh, cool. Yeah. Kenny cool. McIntosh is on our top leading receivers and he was a four star running back. He didn't he, even, and also he didn't, even throw, he didn't even get to throw George Pickens last year. Yeah. George Pickens was like barely a second, five star. I think he was like the third best receiver in his class. Didn't really throw to him. And didn't throw to him because he was hurt. He's not he's not throwing to superstars. Granted, they're great in the system. Dylan Bell, three star. Arian Smith, low four star. Don't don't come at me with that kind of crap. If we're not gonna hold CJ Stroud and Bryce Young to the same standard. Bryce Young threw to John Mechie, who barring the injury would have probably been a borderline first round pick. Jameson Williams with his injury was a first round pick. Who should have been the Blitnikoff winner instead of He should have been the Blitnikoff winner, yes, sir. C.J. Stroud's throwing to nothing but five stars. Literally number one. He was throwing to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who were two top 12 picks in the freaking draft. Get out of my 
face. They're literally like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin class. Harrison Jr., Emeka Igbuka, Julian Fleming, G. Num- Scott, who used to be a high four star, moved to tight end. Literally number one and number Travion Henderson, number receivers. one running back. Get out of here. Get out of here. Um, but Stetson Bennett shows up in the biggest moments. He puts the team on his back and people play for him. Uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. The way he shows up in big moments, I think, puts him over Stroud, in my opinion. I think he should be third. I think Duggan is second in this group. But I I would give it to him over Williams because I think he's meant more to that team. And I think it would be awesome just to reward what he's able been able to accomplish. And, uh, yeah, I think Williams just ends up with it. But, dude, I'm telling you, the end of this season – this has been the craziest college football season that I can remember. Yeah, like I said, I think we've been saying it every week. I think it's just been the wildest football season. Transfers, NIL, wins, losses, all that type of stuff. It's definitely been the craziest football that I've seen. And also about the Sets and Bennett thing, I think like what you said, I think giving credit with credit is due. And I think it's honestly just amazing that he's there. Like I get our defenses – have been very prominent that we might have number one back-to-back defenses in the nation. But, I mean, he's a former two-star walk-on who's 5'9". That's out here doing this. Like, I mean, you got to give – like you said, you got to give – Didn't even start the season as a starter last year. Yeah. Like, you got to give him respect, respects due. Like, I mean, I'm one of the most common Stetson Bennett – I wouldn't say haters because I don't hate him, but – he gets on my nerves, but, like, I still respect him. Like I said, I mean, we wouldn't have a national championship without him. So, I think it's amazing that he's even there. I don't think there's any shot that he ever wins a Heisman. Like you said, I think he is three over C.J. Stroud, but, of course, I think they're going to give it to C.J. Stroud over him a thousand times to one. So, it's great to see him there. I mean, he's our first Heisman finalist since – I don't even Garrison Hurst, I think. Oh, yeah, something like that. I mean, it's been crazy with all the talent that we've had, and he's the only one that can do it. So it's crazy to see. Really appreciate everybody sticking by us. Uh during these weeks we've been out. It, it unfortunately, you know, with life going on, just kind of out of our control. Again, we're going strictly college football for a little while, probably until next season for the pros. We'll probably cover cover the NFL draft. Uh Reed and I are huge fans of of kind of projecting what will happen and love keeping track of these guys we watch in college and see how they fit in the pros. So we probably, at the very least, will do some NFL draft stuff. But for now, full tilt college football. We're going to continue everything throughout the offseason. There is going to be tons to talk about. Next week, we'll probably get into the transfer portal and recruiting stuff, maybe kind of dip our toes in the first couple of uh, bowl game matchups. So... It's been an exciting season. Championship weekend was incredible. Uh, really excited for the playoffs. I think it's probably the most even playoffs we've seen in a while. Hopefully we have good playoff matchups. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't seen that the past few years. Uh, they definitely got the four teams right. And, yeah, again, really appreciate everybody sticking with us, uh, especially these last few weeks when we haven't been able to put out some episodes. Like you said, life just happens sometimes, and it's going to keep happening. Don't stop for nobody. So we're just, like you said, we're going to keep doing the best we can. We enjoy doing it. We talk football anyway. 
we're going to just do it on here and give a few people a listen. College football has been crazy this year. It's been a great time to honestly start this, just keeping up with it all. Transfer portal is going to continue being crazy. It's going to be insane to see what NIL keeps adding to the sport. It's only the second year that's been involved, and now it's really starting to pick up because people know what they can get away with and what they can kind of push. So definitely going to have an interesting offseason. So we're going to have a whole lot of content and throw your way. Please check us out. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Facebook, Read the Roster, Twitter at Read the Roster. Like I said, we're going to try and be a little bit more active on there, especially with all the craziness that's going to go on during the offseason and, and what we'll have to share and say during this postseason. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.